What's going on, everybody? My name is Joe Rico, and I am the host of the Fantasy MLB Today podcast. The reason you guys are hearing this intro, which is slightly different than usual, is because this episode is going to be slightly different than usual. It is one part of the live show that I did today on Tuesday, August 2nd, as part of the Major League Baseball trade deadline coverage that we have going here at Sports Ethos. Broken down into four one-hour episodes because the different panels were on for one hour each. You guys can listen to them here at your leisure or over on the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. Really appreciate you guys leaving a thumbs up over on YouTube, subscribing to the Sports Ethos YouTube channel, and of course, follow, download, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff here at Fantasy MLB Today. I'm over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out over there. I really recommend you guys follow everybody that you see listed down in the description for all of these episodes. Really some of the best minds amongst the baseball and fantasy baseball community. So without further ado, let's get started. We have the next group ready to join us. So without further ado, let's bring them all in here. Frank Stample, Michael Gauvier, Scott Chu, and Eric Cross. How are you guys doing, man? It's kind of a free-for-all. How has everybody's day been? Busy. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we start with you, Gauvier? Tell us about what you got going on, man. No, we should start with Frank. Frank said something first, and I was rude and disrespectful, but I thought, you know, I was getting a little too kind in here, and you were getting your ego blown up a bit much. Joe, I want to take it down a notch. You're trash. This show is trash. Everything is trash. This deadline's trash, and uh, everything sucks. How's that? Are we back to balance? Are we back to equilibrium? That sounds about right. That sounds okay. pretty close. Pretty Frank, close come to on, Frank. Yeah, let's hear what Frank's got to say. How you doing, Frank? Oh, I'm doing well, man. It's It's been a, vi- a very busy day. Obviously, Juan Soto news broke earlier in the day. I'm up late most nights, so I was honestly just kind of waking up like while that was all going down. So it's an awesome thing to wake up to and a bunch more trades going on here as well. So happy to break it down. Happy to be here. Bunch of great guests that you got here, and I appreciate you having me on here, Joe. Oh, it's great to finally meet you, man. I'm a big fan of what you do, and it should be a great time here. Hopefully, as we get into these, this last hour before the deadline, we have a lot of moves. I'm praying for a Shohei Otani trade. I'm not thinking it's too likely, but fingers are crossed. Speaking of crossed, Eric, how you doing, man? Hey, good. How's everyone doing? I'm just sitting here in awe of the awesome shades that Mr. Scott Chu is wearing down there. Look at that. Nice little blue shades. Those are awesome. But yeah, it's, it's been a fun day, and ready to break it all down with you fine gentlemen. It should be a lot of fun. If you're not watching, if you're watching on the podcast side, you should come over and check out the YouTube. Scott is definitely competing with Mike Curlin for outfit of the day here so far. Scott, oh, how geez. you doing? I, I, I missed Curlin. What did he wear? Uh, he had his bucket, <laughs> hat, his bucket hat on with the Marlins hat on top. The shades. So at least he was dressed. That That's a positive. <laughs> yeah, but he was calling himself Florida man. That is not what a real Florida man looks like. It would be much more haggard and disgusting. He looked like an easygoing, hey, I'm a middle-class Florida guy. I want real Florida guy who's got a bag of meth in his pocket and is ready to fight alligators. They, they got to have that, like, Florida man eyes. Like when <laughs> yes. Exactly, oh, Scott. Eyes. Yes. That's that's, that's how you know it's a real Florida man. I'm doing great. I got my Super Mario 3 shirt on, these cool glasses you can see behind me over there, there, there. 
there. I've got this like rainbow thing. I've got a, I've got a bunch of colored glasses because instead of having a personality, I find it's just cooler to wear fun stuff and grow a mustache. <laughs> we have quite a wide representation here. We have CBS. We got some fan tracks, fantasy pros, pitcher list, Palazzo. We got a little bit of everything going on here. Yeah, think- Palazzo right there with CBS, ESPN, <laughs> RotoWire, the legends in the industry. That's right. You are, you are there. You are there, Govier. No question about it, man. Absolutely. You just went on quite the journey this last uh, couple of days here. What did you drive? 26 hours, all told? That's more. It's like 30 hours. So stupid. 30-hour drive in a four-day period. That's You never go full 15-hour drives in a three-day period. If you're going to drive 15 hours straight, you should be there for at least seven to ten days. This is just a little lesson for everybody. Don't make the same mistake I did. Don't end up like me. But, yeah, I'm so glad to be here, though. So being through that drive, this makes this appearance that much more enjoyable and exciting i got my co-manager eric cross here my fan tracks buddy i got frank who i haven't seen since december and i got scott who i've never been on a show with and i was so glad that we're able to do this show together of course joe my old pal who i've been on your show you've been on my show make sure you check out joe's episode of the plot so pals when you get a chance after this trade deadline appearance absolutely yeah you guys both from michigan you guys have been wanting to uh get connected so finally here figured you michigan guys all knew each other but i guess not let's start off i think with the biggest news of the day someone mentioned it juan soto is this what we were all pretty much expecting soto to the padres for everybody frank yeah i mean look i I don't think any prospect package was going to be worth Juan Soto, but this is probably the best that you could possibly do, right? I mean, you're getting really the four top prospects in the Padres organization, and I'll let Eric talk about those because obviously that's his area of expertise, but I I thought that it was, it was a really great return. Like you don't want to trade Juan Soto, but if you're going to do it, at least you're getting uh, a pretty massive package here. And look, from a fantasy perspective, it's like, okay, the value doesn't change. Like Juan Soto, sure, I guess like counting stats could go up with the Padres and it's a good thing for Josh Bell and everyone else who's there, like Manny Machado and hopefully we see Fernando Tatis within the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, it was. I was a little skeptical. I didn't know if it was actually going to happen, but it did and it was massive. That initial report, the first tweet from John Morosi, it was like, that's it. You know, everybody was kind of thinking there's got to be more to this. Every every team could have competed with that initial uh, that initial report there. So it seemed kind of light. They added on quite a bit. Eric, you are the prospect guru. What is your thought on the return here for the Nationals? Yeah, no, I kind of echo what Frank said. This is probably the, you know, I don't think any trade return would have been like, enough, quote unquote, for Juan Soto, but they did pretty damn good. Obviously, CJ Abrams has been like a top five, top 10 prospect for a handful of years now, elite upside. Uh, so that was a great get for them. Gore. Who knows? Like he went from being number one overall pitching prospect to having a couple of years of struggles. Then he was dominant again earlier this year. And now he's kind of back to those uh, command and control issues that he had back in you know, 2021 or so. So I'm a little worried there, but obviously the talent is still very high. And then Robert Hassel and James Wood, those are two huge, huge prospect talents. I have Hassel top 10, James Wood not too far away. He's drawn some Willie McCovey comps, which I hate putting comps like that, but I can see it. He's He's 6'7", big power, good athlete as well, proving to be a much better hitter than I think anybody gave him credit for when the Padres drafted him last year. So, yeah, that's a, a huge, huge return there for, for the Nats. But, again, Padres getting Bell and and Soto there. Great gift for them, too. That makes that lineup so much better. And, yeah, I love that Soto actually has a lineup around him now. You know, Machado and then, obviously, Tatis, when and if he gets back. 
that's better than Josh Bell and the whatever the misfits that they had over there in, in, the, in Washington. So, yeah, I think it's just a great deal. A lot of value going up all the way around here. It was announced in the last hour or so that it was going to be Luke Voigt completing that trade going to Washington. Do you guys think that he's still someone who uh, is going to have some fantasy value over there? Or what are you thinking? Is Hell yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Why not? I mean, if he's going to start and he gets to take cuts every day until his, one of his knees falls apart, sure. Why not? <laughs> he's a guy that has tremendous power. Still, his claim to fame is the 2020 season, the Bozo season, the 60-game season, which will, as time passes by, become less and less relevant. But that... 22 homer performance he had that's what he can do i mean that was incredible and if he's depressed though because he's in washington he's taken away from a possible world series run maybe it'll affect his mental performance and he he'll check out i mean these are things we can't quantify we don't know for sure we'll just have to see how it plays out but certainly he's worth rostering in a probably a 12 teamer or deeper right now as a first baseman what do you think scott first on the soto trade and then second maybe uh what do you think about luke boyd yeah, I mean, I think they nailed it on the Soto trade. That there is no fair trade, but if you were go- if you have to trade him, and I think the Nationals had decided long ago they had to trade him once he turned down half a billion dollars. This is what you can get. Like there are very few teams in the that needed to like that really wanted to improve aggressively, right? Because you got the Padres, they do all this. There's still a ton of games behind the Dodgers, right? So they need to make a really big move, and they have a loaded system where they actually have the ammunition to make the nationals think about it, right? Like that was one of the biggest challenges is sure. There's other contenders, but what are they going to give you without hurting their current major league team? The Padres were one of the few teams. I think that could do that and actually get something out of, even if they don't sign, if they don't resign Soto, it doesn't matter. This is their window anyway, right? They've got him through all of that. So, I mean, I thought that was a great trade for them. And again, if you're the nationals, there's never a fair trade, but if you, if you felt you had to do it, you know, like a lot of fantasy managers feel right now, they feel they have to make a move. There are no fair moves for those guys, but you might get something right. I'd never do this trade in fantasy because like, we just don't have the same considerations that real baseball uh, does. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I thought that was great. And then with Voight, I mean, to me, he's, you know, if you play in a league, you know, over at pitcher list, Nick's like Nick likes to focus on that Yahoo standard format. I don't think you can roster Voight there because it's the two utility, no corner infield, no middle infield, only three outfielders. So I don't think he really makes the cut there. But once you start talking about like a normal format anywhere else where you got the five outfield, you've got a corner infield required. Luke Voigt's a nice corner infield to have, I think. Like injuries might press him to your first base, but he's probably your corner guy, and that's fine, right? Because you're, you might have to replace him for any number of reasons. You know, he hurts something. He He's not performing, uh, but he's going to play every day for a team and he's going to hit in the middle of the order, right? Like if he was a catcher, he'd be like an instant number three catcher because he hits in the middle of the order and there will be some people on base sometimes. Absolutely. If, if, yeah, there's a volume play there when he's healthy. We got a question here from Dom. What do you guys think is the most impactful trade outside of the, Sco- uh, outside of the, Skodo, outside of the Soto deal today? Frank, what do you think? Yeah, so I'm kind of wrestling with uh, Tyler Malley finally getting freed from Great American Ballpark. I, I know that, Eric, you for years have highlighted the uh, the home road splits there. So getting away from Cincinnati, I think, is fantastic for his value and probably bordering on a top 40 starting pitcher rest of season in Tyler Malley. And then just the Jorge Lopez trade, the entirety of it, right? So going to Minnesota, hopefully there is a closer there because it seems like they kind of use Juan Duran. They've tried to use Emilio Pagan, who has been terrible this season. If Lopez could just slot in as the closer there, and then Felix Bautista just kind of takes over in Baltimore. Now we have 
another closer for fantasy purposes. So Bautista is like widely available. If you need saves, go out and add him. Like strikeouts ratios have been fantastic this season. But those are the ones that really kind of stand out to me. Uh, Mally being freed from Cincinnati and uh, Felix Bautista stepping in as the closer for Baltimore. Mike, what about you? What's your biggest trade outside of Soto? Well, uh, first off, I want to say I've been pushing for the fact that there would be no deal. So I have to stand before the masses, this massive audience. If you guys want to roast me, roast me right now. I blew it. I was wrong. I was incorrect. I thought it was a bad move to trade Soto. But there's a difference between thinking it will not happen and thinking it's a bad call. And that's a lesson here for me to remember that pressures exist. And I know that as well as anybody. I know how many powerful owners and possible replacement owners there will be in the new national situation post-trade deadline when they get sold. So I should have been more aware of that, and I was wrong. But outside of the Soto deal, the Molly name was the first that came to mind as well, Frank. Going to target field on the surface seems like a big change from the most Homer-happy park there is in the Queen City of Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark. I think... Tyler Molly at Target Field is a big change. I also thought that Jorge Lopez might not get traded for Baltimore either, so <laughs> I guess I'm really bad at deciding when these trades are going to happen or not. I thought that they would go in and stick to it, but they should have known better. The Orioles, even if they were 500 team and shocking everybody by being that for the first time in forever this late in the year, they were going to trade Jorge Lopez because Felix Bautista is the real deal. So outside of those deals, uh, I think those are the most impactful. I don't think the David Robertson one is impactful because I think that's still a committee in Philly. I saw some tweets and some comments in my text threads and my fantasy league saying, oh, David Robertson time in Philly. I'm not so sure of that. He's in the mix, but don't be assuming David Robertson is the closer there because they got a lot of arms. Eric, what do you think, man? What's the biggest trade today outside of Soto? You mean outside of my Red Sox acquiring Eric Hosmer? hey There it is. Well, that's, there's another question as well here. I guess it would be good to direct it towards you. Do you think that they're going to sell? Are the Red Sox in the next hour going to start trading away some big pieces here? I wish I had an answer to that. I have no idea. The Red Sox, I don't even know if the Red Sox know what they're trying to do right now. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Are they in that in the middle part there where it's kind of overlapping a little bit? We went out and got Tommy Pham, but traded away Christian Vasquez and then get Eric Hosmer. It's kind of a weird. So I still think J.D. Martinez gets still. I think he's the the one that will. I think that'll probably be the biggest name. I thought, you know, about a week or so ago, I thought maybe Eovaldi, but I don't I don't see that happening now. But I still think they sell, they uh, trade off J.D., but who knows? But, uh, yeah, Tyler Malley getting out of Cincinnati, like those home road splits have been insane. On the road, outside of Great American Ballpark, he's been, like, top 25 or so pitcher for fantasy and mm -hmm. i'm not saying he's going to be that but definitely if you're like in a 12 teamer he's definitely like an sp3 now as opposed to like an sp4 5 which is what he was 15 teams it's great news for our team eric yeah. yes absolutely though we just got luis garcia for san diego and then josh Hader goes there so yeah you know, you know well we're not you, perfect you win some you lose <laughs> some right but uh another just another fun little trade that i think could have some implications on the road the um Angels and Phillies trade Brandon Marsh for Logan O'Hoppy. You know, Marsh has that nice little power speed blend, but he's had huge strikeout issues in the major leagues, like 40 plus percent K rate. So maybe this is a fresh start for him. Phillies kind of been looking for that center fielder. Marsh can play center. That's fun. And O'Hoppy is very underrated in terms of catching prospects, having a nice breakout year. I saw him last year out in the Arizona Fall League. Very good, you know, all around catcher. So this is kind of a fun little deal for dynasty purposes. Scott, is there one that really stands out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, something else about the Marsh trade, it opens up more regular playing time for someone like Joe Adele, who's really yeah. trying to re, you know, prove himself again at the major league level. So that's one of the fun things about some of these like minor trades. It's not so much about the players that get traded. It's about the opportunities that they create for other players like that. Usually like, so a lot of, you know, you're going to see a lot of like articles and tweets come out talking about the players traded, but like where there's a little bit of maybe fantasy juice to squeeze is like, Oh, who's, who looks like they might get that playing time boost now because we're all focused on the big news, which is the names of the players traded as far as like impactful, you know, it's, I found out about it this morning, so I'll use it. I do think it's, it's Josh Hader. You know, I, I still have little reason to believe he's not one of the two or three best relief pitching like relief pitchers on this planet. And, you know, they went from not really having a closer to having the best one. Right. And we know late, you know, late in games in the playoffs, that's what you're going to want. You need your guy that you can hand the ball to. It might not be in the ninth, but whenever that big moment comes, who, who do you want to give the ball to more than Josh Hader? Like maybe Edwin Diaz right now. Uh, and if you want to go with like experience, you can talk about like a Kenley Jansen or something, but Josh Hader is nasty, right? Like that stuff. It's, it's disgusting what he throws and you know, out of the ninth inning, you feel pretty good when he steps in, despite the little bit of roughness this year and some home runs. But why would the Brewers trade him though? I, I know it seems bizarre to give up a guy who's so talented. I know he slipped recently and he had that horrible outing in San Francisco around the all-star break, but he's still as good as you're saying, Scott. So does it give you pause to say, Whoa, why would a team that's in a playoff race, just like the Padres are give up this closer? I, and you know, I, I think the, things I've heard, which were all about the raise he'll get in arbitration and how they're probably money pinching. And then looking at their own bullpen where Devin Williams, everything I say about hater, like take 2% off the top, you might have Devin Williams, right? Like he's, he's a really, really good reliever. So they probably thought they're probably thinking a little bit like, I think we can still, they're probably thinking I can still make the wild card without hater because I think we can have Devin Williams step like step up like he has this season. And then I can save money, maybe make a splash in free agency if things don't work out this year because I don't have to pay Hater. I think that's the only way you do it. It's a money move, uh, and only because they have very strong bullpen pieces behind it. They do know when to cut. They know when to bail quite often. I will give the Brewers credit on that. They're pretty good at pulling the plug at the right time. It's true. It feels maybe a little bit premature on Josh Hader here. Is it? I don't know how lateral the move will end up being with Taylor Rogers, but just want to go through, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to go through the Twitter thread here or the Twitter thread, the Twitter feed here, just to see if we have any news. Xander Bogart said he questions the direction of the organization with the Vasquez move. Said there are pieces <laughs> leaving the organization, but none coming in. This is from Julian McWilliams. Who's a beat writer. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal was traded to the Brewers. Apparently a Wilson Contreras deal is not likely at this time. Uh, and the Phillies have been in touch with Carlos Rodon, but the price is too high. That's pretty much what we have here in the last 10 or so minutes. Eric, do you agree? The Red Sox don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I've long been a, uh, I've long questioned Heim Bloom and some of his moves he's made since he came on here as the GM or president of baseball operations, whatever his official title is. But yeah, so I just don't know. Like obviously, with Boston being a big market team and having one of the highest payrolls year in, year out. You know, obviously the, the mindset is deep postseason runs, potential World Series caliber teams every year. And while I'm not saying any of these deals are bad on the surface, it just makes you scratch your head a little bit. Like, what are we doing with Eric Hosmer? Is he an upgrade from, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi? Yeah, probably. But we also have Tristan Cassis waiting in the wings, almost ready in AAA. It's just kind of like one of those, like, how does it fit into the big picture, long-term type of trades so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head here. I'm, I agree with Xander Foley. I wasn't surprised Vasquez was dealt. I kind of, you know, 
thought that was going to happen anyway. There was a lot of rumors around us dealing him. But, yeah, I'm just not sure what they're trying to do here, you know, moving forward. It's kind and of the odd. roster management. The roster management with Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck and taking them in and out of close roles, starter roles, reliever roles, right? Like, who's... Who's pulling the cords here? Who is it? Is it Cora? Yeah. Is it Bloom? Who's, what the hell's the, going on there? Who's the puppet master there? Yeah. That, that, yeah. Govier, I think you and I probably talked about this before. It's like, Hauk and Whitlock are very talented arms, and I still don't know what role they're best suited for, but just put them in a role and leave them there, whether you want them starting back into the bullpen. It's like they keep jerking them around too much. and I, Yeah, it's been a very uh, frustrating season for the Red Sox. Very up and down, very frustrating. Apparently, there's a couple prospects going to Boston along with Eric Hosmer as well. Haven't heard word on who it is, but I, I, there's I heard not a many rumor prospects it, left. I heard a rumor it was Max Ferguson and Corey Rozier. Uh, Max Ferguson has about four thousand steals, but it's, it was in Low A, and he's a speed only guy for the most part. And Rozier is a solid, you know, athlete, good power speed guy. Who knows if the hit tool will be there? So there's some intrigue there, especially with Rozier. But the move is still kind of uh, weird. Pirates have been a little bit quiet today. Do you guys think David Bednar will end up getting moved here in the next hour? I, no! I thought, I thought I came into the day thinking so, but yeah, at this point, probably would have happened if it if it's going to happen. Frank, what do you think about Bednar? I think he's awesome. I don't think he's going to be moved. I know he's got a couple more years of control. Um, like They can maximize their return right now by trading him, but we really haven't heard much about it. I like the uh, the preemptive ad of, of De Los Santos. If they were going to make a move, uh, I think he would be the next man up for the Pirates, but ultimately, I don't think that David Bednar will be moved. Govia, you agree I'll... there? Hell yeah! Frank knows exactly what he speaks of. He said it well. They never really plan to deal him, in my view, based on what we know about the time he still has left, how talented he is, and what's going on there, too. I think you know, there's one thing to trade a Kevin Newman or maybe somebody else who hits the road, but I think some of these parts that are legitimate pieces on a team that don't need to be moved right now can stay. They got a lot of fun pieces. So I, I hey, I've been wrong on a lot of this stuff. So what the hell does Mike Govier know? Sometimes it's very little, but I feel good and I've stayed on this course, so I'm gonna lock it in. I don't think Bednar goes anywhere. Do you think your Tigers are gonna make any other moves today? <laughs> you and Scott. Do you think maybe I heard rumored that maybe they just move on from Javi Baez if someone will take him today. I heard a couple people talking about no that. No way. No one will take that, Scott, right? Would anyone take – why? Yeah, for what purpose, right? Like, it, like the, if you think about the teams in contention, who needs what Javi Baez offers, right? Like, they, they just don't. <laughs> Outside <laughs> like, of defense, I, I mean, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the defense comes with throwing errors, right? He's really struggled with throwing errors, especially recently. Uh, it's just a certain type of throw. I was listening to Dan Dickerson talk about it. It's just where he plants his foot and he throws and he's missing bad, right? Uh, so he's really, I mean, he's really difficult to trade. Like I was, I mentioned in the, the comments on the set before this, like I can't believe they got anything for Robbie Grossman. Right, like the big problem the Tigers had, and I mentioned this when they talked about oh, Scoobles available. That's just to get other teams on the phone. Right? Yes, like they, don't have, yep. they don't have anything to offer right now. That's like like that clear example right now. Like as far as David Bednar, I bet the Pirates are betting on Bednar to continue to be good and get more next year because he's he he's arb eligible in 2024, and then he's not a free agent until like 2027. So yeah, sure, that's probably not even in the Pirates window because I have no faith in that organization, but. <laughs> It's it's still something where they can just wait and be you know bet on Bednar to be good, continue to be good, and then next year they can say he's not just a one year wonder, he's like a you know two three year wonder. So you know offer me a little more. Uh, I'm still expecting a Tigers deal by the way for a couple of relievers. Hopefully it could happen here before the deadline hits. Yeah, Gregory Soto and Jimenez I think are 
well, probably should be. Fulmer. Fulmer should Fulmer. totally be on the move. So. Fulmer, yeah. A couple of little pieces of what could possibly be news here over the next half hour. Syndergaard is down to Jays and Phillies, according to John Morosi. And Joel Sherman says that the Mets are throwing around Ronnie Mauricio in packages with 40 minutes to go. I'm not sure. It doesn't say who they're trying to acquire here, but mm. I don't know. That would probably be J.D. Martinez or Contreras, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I think so. But the re previous report was that, um, well, John Heyman said they don't see Contreras as likely at this point. So maybe J.D. Martinez is where they end up going with that. Not really sure here. Um, pretty quiet over the last little while. Nothing really major since this morning, really. It's been a little it's bit of final showdown. Yeah, yeah, I think the... as we as we hit six o'clock and maybe in the few minutes after, we'll hear things announced. But fairly slow afternoon, I think, uh, comparatively speaking. I remember one last thing day, I want to add to the, that Tigers reliever stuff. I was yeah. betting on some of their relievers getting moved and. As a fantasy pickup for everybody out there, Alex Lang to maybe slide into the closer role if a couple of relievers get moved for rest of season. It's a sneaky play, uh, not a guarantee, but if he does get the role, I like his stuff. I think Scott would agree. Alex Lang is one of their better relievers. Yeah, I think I think that's what they'll go with if they don't just try to like mix and match or something. It just depends on you know. Really, I thought they were going to move both Soto and Fulmer. If either yeah. one of them stays, they're the closer, right? If they both stay, it's still Soto and nothing changes. But, you know, really what I was watching for with the Tigers specifically is if they do, you know, make another trade already with the trade of Grossman, that gives my dude Akil Badu, who's not playing well this year by any uh. stretch. He did well. He was he was pretty good in AAA for a while. He's not performing at the major league level, but he might play more than twice a week now because there's a spot. I mean, that was the big thing for the Tigers is what else? do? It's not just so much what they give up. They've got a couple pieces that we know what they are, right? Soto, Fulmer, that's probably it right now in terms of attractive pieces, unless someone wants to pick up Haas for, you know, their backup catcher, right? And all they can really get from it is either like a 19-year-old pitcher, a 26-year-old pitcher uh, in AAA, or like a prospect that's, you know, super, super raw. That in years, years away. Like that's all they're going to get. And so, I mean, maybe they hold Soto, but again, the Tigers are in a weird spot where they, I, th I almost wonder if Avila just doesn't want to uh, get criticized anymore and have fire turned up anymore. Where if, you know, if you just look at the returns he's gotten on the veterans he's dealt, they're not good. Right. Oof. Like you look at the, what he got back for, I mean, you traded JV, JD, all these guys, and they got nothing. Uh. For they got like, yeah, Castellano, like Castellanos. And what do they have to show for it? Jamer Candelario. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's about what they have. So like, don't forget Alfredo Simon for Eugenio Suarez. What a legendary yeah, right? trade that was. Good Good God, baby. No, uh, <laughs> but like, like, that's the thing. So I almost wonder if he's a little gun shy because he's not, he's not doing well in those trades. Uh, hold on. We have something here. Anything big? Ooh. The Mariners are acquiring Jake Lamb from the Dodgers. Yeah! Woo! I mean, remember remember when Joey Jake Gallo Lamb was a thing? Like, there was like yes, one year where everyone's like, ooh, Jake Arizona. Lamb is good late round pick, and then nothing happened. I think he had a good year in Arizona there, like a pretty solid year. I want to see Frank jump off a boat because of this trade. That's what I want to see. <laughs> that was embarrassing, man. How bad was that, Govier? It's beautiful. Oh, my God. You were so sexy. Get out of here. Come on. I man. tried to do a flip, and I just kind of like flailed, and, and it didn't work. That's you look good doing it. <laughs> I think maybe, well, before we get into like more trades coming in here in the next few minutes, I want to know what you guys think of DeGrom. And I know if he's going to be healthy, it's not really much of a question. He's going to be top five. I think the question should be, do you think he'll stay healthy? Frank, let's start with you. Do you think that DeGrom, when he comes back, will be able to stay on the mound? 
<laughs> yeah, this is like the million dollar question right now. It's nearly impossible to answer, but most people won't want to hear this. I, I really don't have a good feeling about it. I, I'm rooting for him to stay healthy. Baseball is much better when Jacob DeGrom pitches. When he's healthy, he is the best pitcher on the planet. There is no doubt about that, but it's at, it's everything has added up over time. You know, throwing 100 miles per hour, 93 mile per hour sliders. I mean, it's really just added up. And even recently when he was kind of rehabbing, he was dealing with a shoulder injury. I saw something recently like a foot or some kind of leg injury while he was rehabbing as well. And it's just like one thing after another right now. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he could stay healthy. Um, you know, maybe if you play in a league where like your trade deadline hasn't passed yet, like if he puts together a good start or two to try and flip him for anyone that's healthy right now. Uh, but I, I really personally don't have a good feeling about it. What about you, Govia? You think that we'll see DeGrom pitch maybe eight, nine times, or is this going to be one and one or twice and done? Wow. Uh, I think those are the options. I think those are the options. So either go out there, I think he'll either go out there and sustain it or go out there and get hurt. I'm trying to stretch for time here. Vamp, as they used to say. When I worked behind the scenes at Television News, they do this stretch it out, stretch it out. What else can you say about the situation? It's just, you know, we could do the rest of the show about pitchers, injuries, when they come back. I think I have a handle on it. And then I don't. Look at Jesus Lazardo. When he goes on the IL in May, and I drafted him heavily, I'm like, oh boy. Uh, I don't think he's coming back this year. Forearm strain, prelude to a nightmare. But there he is. He goes five innings yesterday, and he strikes up five, and he looks pretty good. And Jack Flaherty's got an injury. He comes back, and I was like, oh, Jack Flaherty will never do anything. And he he's not been healthy. He wasn't healthy. Sometimes it looks obvious, and sometimes you just don't really know. What's going to happen Freddie Peralta this week? He's coming back off an injury. Will he be his old self, the shoulder good, he's ready to rock? Or is he going to fall to pushing himself too soon because the Brewers want to make a playoff push? Or do they know that he's healthy? I have been erring more on the side of caution with starting pitchers who have injuries and I got to admit, there's Dave McDonald, you know, Dr. Dave has gotten in my head the last couple of years, and I got to push him out a little bit because it's worth taking a few more risks here and there, but you don't want to get burned so badly where you're spending huge fab bucks for pitchers who are coming back from injury like DeGrom. DeGrom's, of course, worth it. He wouldn't be on your wire. He's going to be drafted and always will be drafted and kept until he comes back. But if you want me to answer it, I will. I expect that something will happen at the only possible scenario where this goes well is they did rest him for a long time this year, and maybe they're like, okay, instead of having him pitch 92 innings in the first half of the season where he's so dominant like he did last year, let's just sit him for the first half of the year, and maybe we'll get 90 dominant innings in the second half and then through a playoff push. That's the only way this works out. And I would say the chances are 40% of less that it actually goes well for him. Scott, I know this is kind of a hard question, but I feel like everybody's always talking about DeGrom and will he be you know top five it's like he will be top five I think it's better to frame it like this do you think that he'll be able to stay on the field so my concern is less about like some kind of actual injury because I'm not a doctor I don't know right but I do know this I know that the Mets are probably going to have the biggest kid gloves on the planet when it comes to I mean if this guy has like uh like an itch on his nostril they'll skip his start right like they will not let any like they unless it's less that I think that he could be re-injured because I just I don't know his you know I don't know his you know every single little thing going on in his shoulder and his elbow and whatever but I do know that if the Mets like don't like you know if he looks like he's walking a little funny like he's just gonna they're just gonna sit in because they they've been you know they've been able to get a nice lead on their division they're able to compete without him 
And that's been huge for them, right? That was their, once he got hurt, the big question was, can they do this without him? And they have. So I think every chance they get, they're going to sit him. They're not going to let him get hurt because they want him for, you know, they want him for October. They don't care about August, September, because I'm pretty sure they think they can win the division without him. So I'm less concerned about like actual injury, trying to predict that, and more just uh, there's only so much you can rely on him to boost your team. If you're looking at your trade deadline and you're thinking, well, I don't need a pitcher because I'm getting Jake DeGrom, I think that's the wrong play. The wrong, you know, you've got to get some more. If you need that pitching, you've got to find more security there because even if he doesn't get hurt, the Mets might just bench him, right? They might just say, you know, you haven't pitched a lot the last few years. How about you skip this one? You don't like, we don't need you for this one. Right? Like, I think that's going to happen. You know, it's the knack. <laughs> Don't worry about it, bud. Sit down. You're fine. He's stubborn as hell, though, Scott. I've heard, you know, the, the stories are legendary about DeGrom is really, really dedicated to pitching. And maybe he's finally changed a little bit, but I want to see it first before I believe it. Yeah, I mean, that's they've got him and Scherzer at the same time. And, like, Scherzer will punch <laughs> a guy before he gets off that mound if he doesn't want to leave, right? I so, think like, that's the reason with David Peterson. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I no, I, I was just going to say, like, you know, there's I know that there's that in them, but, you know, I wonder if the Mets will find other ways to kind of limit his action. Like every chance they get where if they think they can talk him off the mound, they'll probably do it. I thought the best way they could have done that is with David Peterson. I thought he was going to be the sixth guy there. They were going to give everybody else a little bit, you know, one extra day. And then uh, I added David Peterson everywhere. So it's a bit of a sore spot with me there. It's really just uh, what a difference a couple weeks can make, right? He shot up strikeout numbers and he was looking like could be someone who could help win you your leagues. And now he's pitching in triple a, Eric, are you thinking that we'll see DeGrom? Well, he should be successful tonight regardless because it's this ghost of the Nationals team. Would you be trying to sell him after his supposed good performance, what we're going to see tonight, and then just you know get whatever you can back for him before the worst inevitably happens? Yeah, no, I think I would. But watch him go up like five earned in four innings tonight or something <laughs> ridiculous. Same thing I said when like Lance Lynn came back. I'm like, oh, Lance Lynn's got no, – no offense, Govier. Lance Lynn has the Tigers in his first start, and he gave up like seven earned in five innings or something like that. It's, that's how baseball that's, works, right? But uh, no offense, we're all we are is offended around here. It's okay, it's fine. It's so. <laughs> very, very true. Yeah, I think that the Mets are gonna do like everything conceivable to limit his innings in terms of like limiting his pitch count and start. I don't think you'll see him go like six or seven very often. Skip a start here and there, push him back. I, I think Peterson will be back at some point uh, to make it a six man rotation, or if you know there's another injury, which there probably will be. So I think, yeah, they're going to do a combination of all that. They have about, was it 62, uh, 60 games left in the season there. So that equates to about, you know, 12 or so starts. Hypothetically, I don't see him going more than like 45, 50 innings rest of the way. Because like you said, they need him in October. They have a three and a half game lead on Atlanta right now. Then it's a big drop down to the Phillies, 10 games back. At the worst, the Mets are a wild card team. Probably do win the division. Though Atlanta is right there and playing very well uh, as well. So yeah, I think they'll. I, I think you can count on him for if he gets to the first two starts. I'll feel a lot better. But this does have kind of Chris Sale, Jack Flaherty kind of written all over it. Where like he could just have first start, third inning, he's cruising. All of a sudden, throws a slider and you see him grab his elbow or something. Yeah. So quick grab to Chris Sale though. I know Chris Sale's had an injury streak here for sure, but that was. I mean that was unfortunate. It really was. It, it, it was, yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't have confidence he'd still be on the mound even if that didn't happen. You know, it's you're like... right. I know. See, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, and that's fair. That is fair. But it was okay. All right, forget it. I don't even care. We're within half an hour now, and still nothing. Huge big deal, happened. Joe. Joe, huge deal. What do you mean? Are you kidding me? What? What happened? Did I miss? We something? got Brett something... Phillips on the move, baby. It's Ooh. going down. Did someone actually sign him? I hope someone signed. He's. Him. 
the, hey, people said the Orioles were sellers, and I said, hold the phone. Brett Phillips is now a member of the Baltimore Orioles. As far as I can tell, it's official. That's good. I feel, I, you know, I saw his little video that he made. He's just classy, man. He's just like, it's hard not to like. He, Brett he's Phillips. awesome. A- any team, every team needs a Brett Phillips. He's a two way player, right? You're getting a pitcher and a position player for Brett Phillips. So, I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you go for it? Right? Shohei Otani, who? Like Brett Phillips. Maybe. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Okay. So, reading on this update, I missed this trade and I, I know it's not proper of me. I should be up on every trade at all times. I apologize for this. I just got back from Georgia, but Jose Siri got picked up by the Rays. That's a fun move. I'm going to throw that out there as a fun move because I liked him and I wanted to get him out of Houston. So uh, just a quick note, Jose Siri. Great. I'm excited for you. It was a three-way trade there. I forget. Was that the Mancini trade? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 Ah, okay. So, hey, that's exciting. But yeah. And Baltimore, Baltimore got a couple of good pitching prospects in Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott. McDermott's got really good stuff. So with uh, Baltimore's good player development team there, those are two fun names to watch out for in the future. Is Baltimore the number one system, you think, right now? Best system in baseball? Eh, I don't know about number one. I think they're absolutely top ten and probably top five. Like that's you know, They get a lot of the old Houston guys uh, in that org now. They've drafted well. They've made some trades to get some guys. They've done well in the international market. Yeah, they're very good. Especially on the hitting side of things, but you know, both sides they're very good top to bottom. So yeah, it's a very good org. Seeing now, oh, Pablo Lopez being linked to the Yankees here in the final stretch. Or to John Heyman. Thought he might go to Baltimore too. Yeah, the, maybe that would happen. But Pablo Lopez. There was some talk. Yeah, seriously. Because yeah, the, the they could lock him in. The Yankees will get him without giving up any of their top prospects. I don't know how the Yankees keep making these trades and not giving up like literally any. You know, Waldachuk was fine, Wesnesky, they're good prospects, but they've held on to, like that that top little like top tier of their of their farm system. And I don't know how they keep doing it, but they'll probably get him for like some mid level guys. And well, well they got like- torched on that Gallo deal last year. If you look at what Duran and Josh Smith are now and what they might be, I'm not saying they've you're right, they've held on to their studs, no argument, but right. Yeah, those are solid guys. Kind of, kind of in that same range as like Wesneski and Waldachuk for sure. Yeah. Is there one trade you guys are thinking is going to happen here in the next half an hour or so? Something you're expecting to happen? Anybody I, can chime I, I in think here. Rod- I think Rodon gets dealt. I know that the yeah. asking question is high, but I think San Fran, like the writing should be on the wall that they're not going to compete with the Dodgers and, and Padres this year. It was great last year. It was a great run. Uh, it was a really fun team last year. Just not happening this year for them. And I think it'd be, it'd be wise for them to trade because Rodon's another guy we know, like another guy that could, you know, get injured. Any anybody can get injured anytime, of course. But he's one of those guys that has the elevated injury risk that was his track record there. So I think if they cash out now, he's pitching very well, get a lot of strikeouts. Uh, Phillies would be a, a good spot. Who knows? Maybe Yankees get in. I think our Toronto in the mix as well. So yeah, I, th- I think Rodon gets dealt in the next twenty minutes, but we'll see. He's got that opt out after this year as well, which I'm assuming he'll do if the Giants don't you know, improve it all, which is looking doubtful at this point. Uh, Wilson Contreras, you guys think we'll see something happen here? I don't think it'll be the Mets based on what I'm reading, but uh, I don't see any reason why the Cubs would want to hold on to him at this point. What about you, Frank? Do you think uh, Wilson Contreras gets moved in the next 20 minutes or so? I think he should. Will he? I, I, you know, coming into the deadline, I thought he was like the most likely candidate to be traded. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only one who hasn't been traded yet. So, uh, I'll go out there and say, yeah, I think he does get traded. I don't know where. I mean, obviously, Houston doesn't need a catcher anymore. I know Tampa Bay was kind of linked to him. San Diego. It still kind of feels. <laughs> it's it still kind of feels like the Mets need him. So uh, I don't really know what the the holdup is there, but that makes a ton of sense for me. And I think JD Martinez too is just another name there. It's like I don't really 
talked a lot about it. I don't know what the direction is for the Red Sox, but obviously, you know, entering free agency, half a year left. Like, why wouldn't you try and get something for J.D. Martinez now uh, while you can? So I think Martinez and Contreras are, are the most likely two. You agree there, Govier? You got another name in mind? Uh, I could still look like a fool here, but uh, Nelson Cruz? Was he traded yet? Did I miss this? Yeah. I'm surprised um, he hasn't retired yet today. I'm surprised. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm done. This, this, I'm just done. <laughs> Yeah. They said that they said in the offseason they're going to be adding pieces around the Nationals to compete this year. It's great. Yeah. Well, they did. They added five pieces for Juan Soto. <laughs> hey, uh, no, but Nelson Cruz is a great bet that you want to have for a stretch run here. I would throw his name out. I'm still wondering uh, would, would anybody want Mark Melanson for any reason? There was something I saw, uh, some brutal stat this morning. I forget what it was. Um, was it like his, he got his 10th loss or something last night? Or. Some, oh, some, I mean, some not great stat. There are no objective facts that make teams stop having Melanson as their closer. Every time he's on a team, he's a closer over a pitcher that's almost clearly better than him, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what team he's on. I don't know what kind of dirt he gets on every manager he's ever had, but that guy can't lose a closing job to save his life. Just like Ian Kennedy. That was the same thing for him for a long time, too. Yeah, I thought the universe was going to explode when they both joined the same team there last this season. Ah, but here we are, I guess. Can't uh, both close. Actually, yeah, you can. But but yeah, th those are some guys I would think of. Uh, I, I still wonder if there's some smaller pieces. But bigger pieces-wise, I, I think that's a lot of the big names. I wonder if things got a little bit crowded for Seattle. Would they... Would they move an outfielder out of there, or are they? Because it seems like they have a lot of parts there, but do they just want to have all hands on deck to finally get to the playoffs this year? I would see that being a reality as well. Yeah, Brett Phillips, the move is official, going to Baltimore. I love it. I'm glad that he got on somewhere. I'm happy for Orioles fans because they had a they've had a heck of a fun season, and their reward for it was seeing their players get traded. Right. And watch their, you know, watch ownership fold. I'm sure there's a smart business decision in there somewhere, but I don't care. I'm a baseball fan. Right. I, I don't, I'm not the one that has to write the checks for them. So, you know, it, it stinks. At least they get somebody fun. Right. They get somebody fun. They get someone I think that that community is going to really like after losing another very stand up guy in Trey Mancini. Right. Like one of the easiest guys to root for, like cancer survivor. Uh, so they, at least they've got somebody fun and like Alex Fast won't cry himself to sleep entirely. Right. He's got something to hold on to this day. And I'm happy for him. And I want to see the D-backs, I don't, uh, Eric can speak to this, uh, possible Corbin Carroll appearance this year if they could open up more outfield room in Arizona. I was hoping they would move a couple more players besides David Peralta. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. I, I still think it happens. I know Chris Welsh thinks it's going to happen as well. He's the, out there uh, in Diamondback. Oh, he Lance. does? Yeah, okay. he, he, he actually, uh, I think he said that he'd be shocked if he's not up by September 1st. Take that vote. Welsh is obviously one of the most knowledgeable guys out there. Love yep. Welsh, and I would love to see that happen. Obviously, Corbin Carroll is you know has Trey Turner type upside. He's got the huge power speed combination, twenty five homers, thirty plus deals, high average, high OBP. He's a top of the order guy, so that would be a really really fun call up late in the season if that would happen. Do I think it will? I'll say forty percent. I'm not quite as you know confident as Welsh is, but we'll see. We'll see what Arizona does in the next twenty minutes here. That outfield of the future is going to be Carroll, Jones, and Thomas. That's pretty solid. That is very it's looking, solid. looking okay. <laughs> nothing. All right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> nothing announced for you. I was I was thinking these last few minutes here we were going to see a bunch of stuff happen, and maybe it'll happen like just after six o'clock when you know paperwork's been filed, but they haven't actually had time to call Jeff Passan yet and tell him to get the news out there. <laughs> Anything else really that uh, has struck you guys today in terms of maybe even a smaller deal, something you think will have a lot of impact either in the real world or in fantasy, something maybe that's not the flashiest move, but something you think will be really impactful down the stretch. 
Man, I thought the Phillies were going to make some more moves in this. They've got a big glut in their middle infield right now. They picked up Edmundo Sosa to add to their middle infield for no particular reason because they've got Stott and Gregorius right now. They've also got um, Gene Segura coming back soon. Uh, they've got a ton of these left-handed bats and no, like no reason to keep them all. They could really use a pitcher, like a number five pitcher. I don't think they really have one. I mean, they've got Kyle Gibson, but other than that, they could really use some depth there. They could use some bullpen depth. They could use a lot of things, and they have pieces to give. I, I just think it's weird that they just haven't. I wonder if they're just deciding we'll try next year or something. Yeah, I don't think Brandon Marsh is where it's going to stop there. I thought they were going to go for uh, Ramon Laureano. That's who I was thinking they were going to attempt to put in center field there. But what about you, Eric? Anything that's kind of flown under the radar that you really like today? No, not really. Outside of that Marsh deal, I'm just really surprised that St. Louis hasn't done really anything. Obviously, they're in the Soto rumors this morning uh, with you know not wanting to give up Carlson plus prospects. So I'm surprised they haven't gone out there and still gotten that bat they were looking for, maybe another arm. I'll, I'll be surprised. I can see J.D. Martinez going to St. Louis, and that might be a decent fit, but oh. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised they haven't done anything. I thought he'd, obviously you can't counter a one Soto move, but getting something – because obviously they're one of the, the better teams in the National League just to try to add at the deadline and make it look like, all right, we're trying to keep pace with San Diego and Dodgers and, and the Mets and the Braves and, and make a deep postseason run here. So I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they're, uh, they've are they been pretty quiet today after the Soto rumors. Just want to remind everybody once again to follow everybody that you see here. Like the show on YouTube. Go subscribe to my show, which this will be a part of that podcast. Uh, it's probably bonus episodes throughout this week. We do have official news, I think, here on the Hosmer deal. The prospects are Max Ferguson and Corey Rozier, which you you pegged that, right? You called it! Booyah! Eric Cross, full credit. I I saw some some Red Sox people chirping about it. Like I said, some intrigue there. I just, I still don't get the trade in general. Like, I love intrigue. And and, and we also sent Jay Groom over, who was once a, you know, heralded pitching prospect who I've seen multiple times this year. He's not good. He's number five starters, like his ceiling. He's probably more like an org depth swing man, long relief type of guy. Fastball is like 89, 90, not great shape to it. Curveball is solid. Changeup's okay. He's just not good. So I'm, I'm not mad at all that we got rid of Jake Room in this. Got a little bit of breaking news. I'm going to throw it to Frank here because he's due here. Michael Fulmer to the Twins. Initial reaction. Hey! Um, yeah, maybe this is more of a Govier question because uh, obviously his Tigers, I don't think it really moves. And Scott's. Scott's. Scott's, that's true. Um, I don't think it moves the needle much for for fantasy at all. It obviously helps the, the Minnesota Twins. I think Jorge Lopez makes the most sense still to to close for the Minnesota Twins, but definitely helps with like a seventh inning, I would imagine. Maybe Duran is just kind of like that fireman. Whenever highest leverage comes up, they'll use him. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good depth piece for the Minnesota Twins bullpen. What about the Detroit folks here? I'll start with you, Govier. Well, uh, yeah, Michael Fomer, I've been asking for him to be dealt. This should be dealt. He was dealt, and that's it. There you go. End of story. Scott, over to you. <laughs> I mean, th- there's a lot of righties in that bullpen for the Twins, but not a lot. Like other than their, you know, they have their closer and they have their setup man, and then they have they have just a bunch of dudes, like just a bunch of guys that are real inconsistent or you know not well proven. So I think they really feel like they can, you know, use Michael Fulmer as that, you know, that one extra guy, you know, if our pitcher doesn't go, you know, if he only goes six, we need someone for the seventh. And I think you're right. It's probably Michael Fulmer and they can do that. It gives them a little bit more flexibility. Bullpen was probably one of the weaker one, you know, one of the weaker parts on this team. So that works, I guess. But uh, I also agree with Frank. It doesn't move the needle much. Uh, It's like the one place he was going to go that like, 
you know, Fulmer probably wasn't going to be a closer anywhere except Detroit if they traded Soto. So if you've been speculating on Fulmer, you could probably let him go unless you're in a very, very deep holds league because even in shallow ones, there's better options. But I mean, I, I like, I mean, I like Fulmer. It's just, he's not going to play a fantasy relevant role for, for the Minnesota twins. He's better than Pagan though, man. I'll lock that in. Emilio Pagan is not built for the closer role. Uh, me and Eric learned this one the hard way very early in the season. We did draft him. It was a flyer pick, really. And I think it was before. our last round pick, if I recall. It was, yeah, it was super deep. Who cares? And then somebody paid like triple digits for him after we dropped him because he came into the closer's role and did get some saves in our tag team league. But in the end, he has imploded every opportunity he's had to close, whether San Diego, Tampa, Minnesota. He just doesn't seem... He gives up too many bombs. Forget if it's a mental thing. He gives up too many dongs, and we need less dongs when you're a closer. The return for Fulmer is Sawyer Gibson Long. Is this someone you got on your uh, on your radar there, Eric? I'll be <laughs> is honest. that his full name? I have so, no idea who that is. I'll be honest. I, I don't know who that is. Gibson <laughs> is he a serial Long. killer? What the hell? Why does he have three? <laughs> if Eric hasn't heard of him, I doubt he's going to be fantasy relevant here in the next 10, 15 years or so. What a shocker! Al Avalon did not get someone even on the radar of prospect gurus who know every team from like 30 players deep and their farm says up! He's, uh, he, he's got a, let's see, this year 423 ERA between high A and double A, but double A, he has a 717 ERA through 37 and two-thirds innings. He was a sixth-round pick at a Mercer back in 2019. 6'4 uh, righty, so... He's already he's 24 and a half and struggling in double A. I don't know. There's probably just Jesus. a name to throw back there. <laughs> That's essentially just you might as well DFA'd him and let him, someone else pick him up at that point. Like, I mean, he's been a little bit better in, I mean, 199 ERA in, in high A, but like, ugh, not I mean, exactly what we, what exactly the kind of thing you can get for a short term right handed reliever. I mean, that's just like, there's just not a lot to get for that kind of asset. So this is what you get. You get a, you get a potential spot starter, right? Like yep. he's, he's probably a, you know, I'm Kyle Funkhauser. I was going to say, I'm not comping him to Kyle Funkhauser, but that role, that's, wow. that's this guy's upside. That's what he that's is. That's hilarious. Right? Yeah, he's we a were... spot starter. He might be a long reliever, uh, but that's it. Right. So, but I mean, at least they got something like, you know, maybe they like, Oh, we had a pitch and then he becomes more like a, like, I don't see any upside here possible, like better than like a fifth guy, but a fifth guy is, a, you know, probably more useful to you than Michael Fulmer for another couple of months. I will say Chris Fetter, I trust there's their pitching coach. He is outstanding. I think he's very underrated. So if anybody could get anything out of anybody, it is the Tigers pitching coach, Chris Fetter, believe it or not. Do you guys think anything's going to happen with Tariq Skubal here at the last minute? Hell no, no, no. Ooh, no. I, I it better not, because I'm staring at about $600 with a Tarek Skubal autograph cards, and uh, <laughs> that's not really oh. something I'm ready to part with. A apparently, the Phillies are close on Syndergaard. Great. Good for them. They give, he, Rosenthal. How many steals will Ronald Acuna have when he starts a game a in lot. one game? Four? A lot. What's the record? Yeah, Syria. What is the record for most steals in a game? That's a good question. I think it was against the Red Sox. I I, I remember us giving up like five steals. To John somebody. Lester was it? John Lester? It probably was because Lester has the worst pickoff move I've ever seen in my entire life. It was a strange uh, thing. It was. I think it was against Tampa Bay, I, like 10, 12 years ago. I'd have to look it up, but ooh, 
I, you know, I wanted to, uh, Joe, not to hijack the show from you, but you were continuing back to the point you were talking about earlier. What are we still expecting here? We got 11 minutes to go. Uh, when's the Sean Murphy deal? It seems like that was almost a guarantee that Sean Murphy would be moved. Is that going to happen? Loriano as well. I thought they would both be gone by now. I, I felt less confident about Loriano. Like maybe they would hold him another year. Uh, I don't have good reasoning for that. It's just my gut was telling me that. But M- Murphy, I thought, was ready to go because they they drafted another catcher, I believed, in this year's draft. Right, Eric? Uh, not that he'll be ready to go, but they've got they've got Langoliers. They've got Soderstrom in the pipeline. Murphy seems like an expendable option, and you should make that deal. Also, Ian Happ of the Cubs. What the hell are the Cubs doing here? Do the Cubs think that they had a bad year? And that they're going to bounce back and compete in 2023, so they kind of want to keep this thing going. Uh, it's kind of bizarre to me what the thought process is there. So that was bizarre as the Red Sox or the Tigers, my Bozo Tigers. But I would be wondering what's going on there. And then lastly, the Jays. What are the Blue Jays doing? Uh, they need another pitching piece, and I think they need to switch up their bench. I will give the Mets credit. I know it looks like they're not great deals, but I think that the Tyler Naquin deal was a great call because though it hurts us for fantasy because we wanted Naquin to have a fun second half at Great American Ballpark where he'd hit a bunch of bombs, but he will, and I can see it now, playoffs, he has like a, a series MVP series. He's he's that kind of guy. He could go on a streak where like, that. hey, NLCS MVP, Tyler Naquin, he did it. That was why we made this deal. I can see that happening. So those are smart deals. They're not fun for fantasy, but for real-life baseball, I, I commend the Mets on the trade like that. So. They also swapped Darren Ruff for J.D. Davis earlier. I'm not sure how significant exactly. that really That's is. That's another thing. These are little deals. I think uh, Buck Showalter's been around, and I think he's advising a little bit. He's like, hey, you know what was really bad? I made a huge mistake that time in Toronto with that thing you heard about with Zach Britton. Oh, I learned a lot from my experiences. Let's go this route. The Jays have surprised me, though. The Jays have done – well, they brought in Bass, but like, I was sure they were going to add a left-handed bat. I was sure they were going to add a starter. And it might be Syndergaard, but if they miss out on Syndergaard, then there's not really anybody else in that price range. You know, You don't really go from missing Syndergaard – at the eleventh hour to go in for Pablo Lopez or Carlos Rodon, so not too I don't want Syndergaard in the AL East as a fantasy manager at all. I don't want him back as a Jays fan. I think uh, <laughs> you know he had his time here, which was about five seconds, and that's all we need at this point. Because what, what are we going to really get here? Oh, and here we go. As I say it, Phillies are finalizing a deal to acquire Noah Syndergaard from the Angels. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Apparently, the Dodgers sent oh, wait, Mitch White to the Jays. Oh, boy. What's the deal there? What do we got? Give me uh, something. I haven't seen that. I'm not. Let me take a look here. That's very. I haven't seen that either. That's very interesting. But well, that's, this is this that's is your uh, your leader here. The chat leader, right? He knows what he's talking about. I would assume. Be coming, it'd be coming from Dan Bespris, who hosts our basketball show. But he is a Dodger fan and L.A. native. Yep, here it is. Underdog MLB. Mitch White to be traded to the Blue Jays. Not sure on a return yet, but I like yeah. it. I mean, it's just pitching Minor depth. league pitchers. Uh, Robert Murray's tweeting that the Blue Jays acquiring Mitchell White for uh, minor league pitchers. So minor <laughs> league pitchers, all pretty, right. pretty vague. I almost, I almost wonder if it's Nate Pearson. But Dude, I was just thinking that same thing, Scott. It's kind of funny. Just give, give him a fresh start in a new organization. Right. It'd be a Ooh. hell of a sell low. An, on an organization Nate that knows how to deal with injury prone pitchers. You know, oh, for absolutely. better or worse. Oh, right? yeah. like, just, Mo- you know, just trade real injuries for Dodgeritis, and they'll be fine. Mickey Moniak <laughs> and another piece there will be returning to the Angels. Oh, good fourth outfielder, yeah. Mickey Moniak. Kind of strange yeah. they made two yeah, you separate be, you tra- trades. <laughs> they made two separate trades. Brandon Marsh for Mickey Moniak? Uh, kind of weird. Kind of strange. 
Yeah. There's uh, been a couple lateral moves I've seen, like like just JD Davis for Darren Ruff. Like that's a that's mostly a lateral move. Yeah, yeah. Like, JD, JD, JD Davis like is Darren those. Ruff minus seven years of age or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh hey, I, we, we gotta we, you know it's like a weird you say like oh I'm I'm one of the owners and I got a right-handed batter that's disappointed but has shown flashes. Which one am I? It's the same guy. I'm describing <laughs> both guys at the same time. <laughs> What's the deal with all these lateral moves? really like to know what the jays gave up i i don't know how i'd feel if it was pearson you know as a jays fan we've been conditioned for years to think of pearson as a future star but it doesn't look like <sighs> it. it doesn't not look like it at this point i, I saw pearson double a closer, a. he baby. was electric yeah he he was i mean i've never seen him in person but from what i've seen you know film wise he looked great but he just he looks like a guy who's gonna be plagued by injuries for his entire career can't be a starter. I don't think he can function. Yeah, You'd know better. I, I kind of hope they trade him. They turn him into a, a closer because yeah. obviously fastball hits triple digits. That slider, I think, is a seventy grade slider. It's very, very good. So I could see him being a very good late inning reliever for sure. You can get away with spotty command for one inning at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't. You can't for six innings. You can for one. What do you think about this stuff, Frank? What do you think about the, the moves the Phillies have made here? Uh, nothing too crazy here. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, Noah Syndergaard, he's a streamer. He's pitching to contact this year. He's been fine, but in the right matchups, sure, you could throw him out there. It's obviously not a great ballpark to pitch in. Tough lineups going up against in the NL East. I did want to bring up, we, we kind of brushed over the, the Brandon Drury trade. He wound up with the Padres, yep. and this season, he has massive home road splits. So, in Great American Ballpark, 298 batting average, 915 OPS. On the road, 241 771 OPS. So it seems like he's kind of penciled for the DH duties with the Padres. It is a much better lineup. There's no doubt about that. But the change of venue, I, I don't really love it for Brandon Jury. Yeah, it's kind of they like have a, a series in Cincinnati. Uh, maybe they were planning for that. Hey, we're gonna use Brandon Jury for this one series in Cincinnati. We're ready to rock. I mean, and to be fair, a 770 or a 770 OPS. Like if if he's that for the rest of the season, that's a heck of a year for him. True. Right, like compared to what you thought Brandon Drury was going to be. Oh, that. dude, look at that, Scott! Wow, that's oh. a okay. There we go. There There's it is. The there. There's Eric. The that's what you were saying. That's what uh, some of the guys earlier on this show too were saying. What the heck are they doing? Jose Quintana is not enough for the Cardinals to go into a playoff run. So Jordan Montgomery's a. That's interesting to see what they gave uh, up for do this. Playoff contenders usually trade with each other this often. Like, that's, that's been really weird to me that like contending teams like granted it's usually been across leagues but they're trading all i mean because the the astros traded to atlanta like you know you might see them again right like uh, like are right. you trying to help them but i think that that was weird so apparently the pablo this was you'd think this was to make room for pablo lopez but he's not going to the yankees apparently harrison bader is the other piece going back to the yankees there but no pablo lopez Ooh. deal is on the rise from from what i'm seeing the mets do get michael gibbons from the cubs in another trade here that has happened not the biggest of moves just a little bit more depth there in the bullpen i wonder what the who yankees got gibbons planned, who, who got gibbons who was that? Uh, the, the mets the, the mets. mets got Gibbons. ah crap i was hoping me i didn't think gibbons would stay there for some reason but it seemed like maybe he would he was making four and a half million dollars so i thought he would get traded that makes sense yeah, I'm not sure what the Yankees' plan is here exactly. Are they that confident that Domingo Herman can be a guy for them down the stretch that they don't need Montgomery? I know Montgomery's gotten a bit of a bad rap, but his lineup has really just not been there for him this season. He's pitched a lot better than what you'd get from looking at his win total. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that this is really 
a mo- something that'll move the needle so much for the Cardinals. It feels like another Quintana kind of move, maybe a little bit better than Quintana, but I don't know. I'm not really sold on that, to be honest with you guys. I mean, the Yankees only need three pitchers. They don't care. They don't care about four and five because they're only going to need three in October. So I guess they feel like, you know, they're going to get Severino back at some point, they hope. And, you know, Montgomery becomes expendable and they get Bader, who I think I mean, he's he struggled with coming back from that injury in the sense of like he's actually having a hard time getting healthy, but he's a good center fielder. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Guys, I hate to do this, but we are clo- approaching. Jesus, I can't find my words today. We are approaching the top of the hour, and I'm going to have to start to, unfortunately, kick you guys out. I wanted to give you a chance, though, to tell us all one more time about where we can find all your stuff. Let's start with you, Frank. Where can we find you? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank, and you can listen to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, which comes out Monday through Friday. We also have a five-minute podcast. That's Monday through Saturday. Uh, that's Fantasy Baseball Today in five. But, yeah, all my work over at CBS Sports and on Twitter, at Roto underscore Frank. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've heard of that show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to you, Govier. Where can we find your stuff? My name is Michael Govier. Follow me at MJ Govier on Twitter. G-O-V is in Victor, I-E-R. Palazzo Podcast, 2Ls2Zs on Twitter. Follow that. You'll find everything you need to know. Patreon, Discord. We got a fun Discord going on in there. It's all free. You pop in there, talk about the trade deadline moves, talk about how pissed you are about everything or how happy you are about everything. And, of course, just you know, enjoy baseball and have a good life out there, everybody. <laughs> Let's hear from Scott. What do you do over there at Pitcher List? Yeah, so I'm the senior hit. I'm, I'm a senior announcer at Pitcher List. I do all the hitting stuff, so Nick doesn't really know what I'm doing at any given time. Uh, it's really nice. That's how I stay under the radar there. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at if the chew fits. If the chu fits, um, I do a lot of you know I write the hitter list that comes out every Wednesday. I, I that's what I'm doing next after this. I'm writing the hitter list and doing a podcast. I also have the Hacks and Jacks podcast. Uh, I'm also recording that today. That'll be fun. But, um, you know, so that, you know, that's a lot of fun. And then I also uh, twice a week do the first pitch podcast for pitcher list, which is our, you know, 15 to 20 minute recap of the day before a couple picks for the current day. So that's most of the stuff I'm doing right now. Eric, what about you, man? Man, Scott, your evening sounds like my evening. Another couple, another couple podcasts, some writings. It's always fun though. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric cross zero four, all my written work at Fantrax, a little bit of fantasy pros as well. And the Fantrax tool shed, uh, podcast with Mr. Chris Clegg, and we have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash toolshed. I want to thank all you guys for coming on. This has been a great panel. Getting to meet most of you guys for the first time. That guy in the top right corner, I know a little bit, but everybody else here, it's been really great to meet you. I'm going to have to unfortunately kick you guys out as we have our next group ready to go here. But Bye, everybody! We'll in- Godspeed! We'll be in touch, guys. Cheers. See ya. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.